0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Thank you. We hit a button and this thing gets started. I am excited. So much to say. My guest today, she is a business and marketing leader. And we're going to be talking about one of the specialties of her her repertoire, which is getting the message across. She is a communications guru, wizard, high priestess. It is all (laughs) about the strategic communication. And I can't wait to dive into things and, and also implementing communications programs, and just what are we talking about here? So, CEO Desidera and Squawker Mobile Media, Sue Grabowski, welcome to the show. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's do this. I'm excited. <laughs> We're talking about getting our message across. We're trying to get people internally as well as externally to know what the hell is going on over here in marketing. So, okay. um, let me pass you this. It's kind of heavy, so bear with me. Okay. Ugh. All right. Here you go. Thor's hammer. Go ahead. You got it. Take I'm the- ready.
1: Got it? Yeah.
0: Well, well, you've rehearsed this. You've used the hammer before, I see. I
1: have
2: used Um, the hammer.
0: (laughs) Take that. Smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception that just drives you crazy and set the record straight once and for all. Okay.
2: So biggest one uh, in recent times anyway, is the... It's not a myth, it's a problem. The inability of marketing departments to communicate to other functional areas within an organization what the hell they're doing. Yes. And why it's important and why it benefits the business. And and so they get frustrated that they're not viewed as say, as important as finance or operations. And yet everything that they do, that marketing and HR, in my opinion, are the, the two places that touch every area of the organization, mm. but they cannot articulate what they're going to do because they don't take into consideration what those other functional areas think about and care about. And huge. so they end up putting ideas out there and they get squashed like a bug.
0: Huge squash smash like yes. a mosquito bothering me last night when I was walking outside on a phone, phone call. Um, huge point, huge point. We're, sometimes we're kind of like wow on in marketing about how, Nobody understands us and, and, and they don't want us to do the program. They're cutting our budget, but it's kind of pointing back at ourselves, looking in the mirror saying, maybe we're not communicating the value clearly. And the fact he brought up HR, that solidified it for me because I hate HR. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure if you're out there listening, no, no, you're not listening. You're in HR. You're not listening to this show. Way too cool for you. Just kidding. Just kidding, HR. People I'm sure hate HR like they hate there,
2: marketing. They hate they hate they both do. departments.
0: They do. But you know what? They they have the same problem we have. And so Yes. I hate I hate HR. But I've also heard this well, said well, like HR, um, and I've seen this too. They're either like super stellar, it's a, it's it's almost like a strategic um, benefit of the company that they've got someone amazing because it's all about getting the amazing people and treating them well or it's terrible. But I've mostly yeah. experienced the terrible um and in the negative side of it uh so yeah just like HR we got to take a page from their book. They touch everything, which is kind of magical. We yeah. touch everything the customer journey the whole thing. So we got to do a way better job of communicating that.
2: Way better. And and yeah. in particular wow. I, IT will squash both of those bugs. Oh, but damn. IT hates marketing because marketing is usually bringing some kind of new digital, you know, recommendation. Right. And so you're going to like bleed into their job protection space and you, and, and we, we go in guns loaded with what we want to do. It, they can, they can definitely squash you like a bug. If you don't, if you aren't able to articulate the value and you aren't able to get their perspective woven in to your objectives and your initiatives. And generally speaking, uh, marketing and it get siloed and it will always win.
0: You know, and, uh, and there's a couple points there, and I had to make a note to make sure I, we talk about all of them. That's so, it's so true. Um, IT hates marketing. It should be a bumper sticker. IT, and, IT and hates we can, marketing. We can, it's like a test, right? One says IT hates marketing. One says IT loves marketing. We see which one wins. Any bets, people? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, but you're right. We bring in something new. And I think about different personality types and different job functions. We bring in risk, right? Absolutely. They, to, they already got to worry, worry about hackers. And then we bring in this risk element.
2: That's, that's, the, that's what is not articulated. We don't assess the risks marketing we don't articulate the risks of marketing we don't discuss the assumptions and uh and we just go in with some jazz hands idea and we're supposed to go everybody's supposed to get behind this because it's going to drive drive leads big freaking deal
0: right and And they're like look we can't we can't have the site go down or we can't have our our data compromised or if you're in financial services or health like no we have to protect this stuff get out of here with your silly App and usually that app tries to take away. Not, not only is it more risk, but you know I'm guilty of this, like marketing automation. Oh no, we don't need IT to do web page creation. Anymore. Yes, we got this. We got this. It's all us now.
2: Yeah, well that's. I mean we've experienced that on the squacker Mobile Media side because um, we've brought it to large corporations and IT. We've sat through architectural review boards, 180 question interrogation from IT. We aren't even touching your servers. We're not touching anything that right? you're doing. But the first in, the first inclination is risk and they're gonna go shoot it down. But what IT can't do is um, what they well they couldn't do what we were gonna do and in the speed that we're gonna do it and um, to meet marketing's objectives, what they what they end up seeing was, hey, you know what? You don't have to worry about this. You can go freed up, be freed up IT to go work on mission critical operational stuff. I don't even really know what they do in IT, but you know, the stuff what that they do, do they over do? there. But you, we needed to get them on board that we yeah. were we were not going into their space. And we, we've had this happen at, at, at several com, uh, companies that we work with. And knowing how to deal with IT is understanding how they think. And marketers don't do that. We come in with our jazz hands and we're like, don't you love it? Isn't it cool? No. They're going to go, no. And, right. It, and fr- especially C-suite if you do fluffy words
0: sing. right yeah. yeah fluffy words
2: fluffy words
0: this is this is strategic path to uh b2b growth here this is uh organically you know such and such ppc mql blah, blah, yes blah. <laughs> and it's like what does that even mean but th- they have more acronyms than we do i bet you they could throw down way more acronyms from just one you know a plus certification or something they've got way more so we shouldn't get in that battle
2: Right, and we, we, we don't, how many marketers do you know that actually approach things from a risk perspective? None. If you went in, none, and we do. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing that now, and it's only because it's the way that they think. So, so beginning to start to look at what are the assumptions and risks going into a project and articulating that to the C-suite, all those functional areas, and gathering the risks from the functional areas before you present it, oh my gosh, they get alongside you. Instead of in front of you with their arms crossed, they join arms with you instead of crossing their arms. But it's it's a very big problem. And I, you know, I'm for the marketers here. I'm for you. I want you to get your ideas passed through. I want you to get your new initiatives and your new technology brought to the organization. But if you don't think this way, you are going to get stalemated every time by IT.
0: Love the idea of discovering. And this goes back to like marketing, right? We talk about it you discover the challenges of your customer. Well guess what? You got internal customers too. we are trying to discover their challenges, but I love that you're saying and, and you use the words here like I'm trying to pay attention to the words like assumptions and risks seems very much project management, very much IT project management and in, Okay, what are the assumptions we're going on here? Okay, are we correct on these and and what are the assumptions you're going on and what are the risks that you perceive? Here's some that we perceive. And you're right. Having that kind of conversation offline, that wins them because they feel heard. You make a slide in your presentation saying here are our assumptions, we've communicated, we you know we learned from your leadership, from your IT experts, this is what they said. I could see that winning them over, hardcore. It
2: it has been revolutionary. And and yeah. I got to be honest, I mean it's not been me. So I knew we were lacking in that hugely. And, um, when I, we started Squawker Mobile Media, I was with a business partner of mine who has deep knowledge in large corporation within it. So, you know, mobile it, R and D for a, for the world's largest distributor of electronics. And he brought to the table and brought perspective to me that I never had as a marketer. And I said, I want it. And I bought him because I'm like, I need you. Right. And he has really changed the way that we think, but it's brought, a, I believe that it's brought a depth to my relationship with my clients. It's brought my clients great benefit in how they communicate internally. Cause this ultimately comes down to communication.
1: Yes. But
2: we as marketers don't communi- we don't communicate clinically. And when you get into the spaces of it and finance, where finance is deciding whether to fund your project, you need to speak financial so you better know how to communicate about that and that has been a um a really really transformational move uh from my organization that has benefited my clients and and that is the addition of rob kemmer to my team um yeah. and it's because he knew things i didn't know
1: mm. and
2: now i know more as a result and and my clients know more, but it is I was like, "Why do we always get installed on these? We have great ideas, we can prove the roi, we can prove the leads we 're going to generate or whatever it is that we 're doing. Why does it always get stuck there? It gets yeah. stuck there because the marketers don't know how to communicate with those other functional areas
0: I've totally felt that as an as an agency too. you know I love talking to cMOs and marketing leaders and marketers and par dot power par dot power users yeah we 're on the same page picking up, you're throwing down, even talk to a sales leader. Yeah. Yeah. Sell, sell, sell. Let's go get shots. Okay, cool. But you're right. You got to totally switch gears, whether it's externally or internally yes. talking to it. And, uh, and I recognize it pretty early on. This was many years ago. but I remember thinking like, wow, they think I'm like a complete joke based on me not speaking their language. They're like the jazz hands is a perfect metaphor, right? <laughs> it's like walking into a business meeting with jazz hands. Other marketers might do jazz hands back at you, IT is not doing them back at you. <laughs> they are
2: not. I mean, it's it's kind of like if you were to say, mar, like, um, marketing and, and and HR, this is what I'd say. People view the other functional areas view marketing as as jazz hands. Yeah, and they view they view HR as wah
0: wah wah wah. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and that's what we get <laughs> labeled as. And it's kind of like, oh, marketing's here again. And uh, you can hear it in the way that people talk at the organization. They're like you know, I don't do marketing, but you know, I, but I am in the business. Like it's, it's kind of this placated pat on your head. Well, you start talking in clinical terms, Mm -hmm. you start assessing risk and assumptions. Oh my gosh, they find out you have a brain and that you, (laughs) that you actually are um, not just creating the fluff, that there is substance behind what we do. And I think that it's lost. And I feel like that myth should be broken, that we don't have substance. That's the myth. I should have been more concise. The myth I'm breaking is that marketing folks don't have substance. We have substance.
0: We have substance. And the, the you keep saying this like clinical. And I want to ask you about that because it seems like it fits. I don't even know what it means, but I kind of do. But like, Tell me about, I'm like, let's get clinical is what I wrote down on my notes. Like, tell me about what does that word mean to you when talking to other people, other groups?
2: Uh, what I've found, so I'm going to come from the agency side, right? Yeah. But a lot of marketing plans that I see that agencies give to clients or even that internal marketing departments give to the business is about what they're going to do. Instead of looking at how this, defining what is the objective we want to hit Um, what are the requirements to hit that objective? The requirements to hit an objective in marketing is not all about what we're doing. So for example, if I'm promoting for a client that has a new product, okay. And Mm -hmm. we are going to go out to market, uh, to promote the product. One of the requirements for my marketing to work is that they can deliver on the orders that they get. Right. I have no power over the manufacturing facility but it should be listed as a requirement in the marketing plan. Yes. And we don't do that. We're out here talking about how we're going to promote things and how Mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, distribute what we're going to do, but we don't look at down to for marketing. It matters how the phone is answered. Right. And so when you begin to pull in all of those requirements, you find that those requirements bleed far outside of marketing and into HR and operations and finance and, Um, manufacturing or whatever it is. And that's what begins to, when you realize that, then you go out and you get those requirements from those people and they feel like they've contributed to the, to the project as a whole. And your report can be clinical. It's not just from marketing's perspective. It's like taking a diagnostic of the whole body in relation to this single initiative. So you become a doctor, Mm. not a, not a performer, not an right. actor. I was only acting. Not that. You become a doctor and you become a clinician, and that's when the that's when the departments begin to rely on marketing, for their brains. Um, in light of how the whole operation works, this is how this one piece of medicine is going to affect everything. So, so true. That's what I so mean by true. clinical.
0: I love it. It's a great metaphor. I I think back many moons ago. I I got into playing hockey. Um, as like a an adult, I guess it was like I was in my late twenties. most people start you know Wayne Gretzky, you start when you 're like two oh, yeah, I was something. Saying, but I was yeah. like I got into it in college took a free, it was cool I was getting into it and and then I was doing some running, and then my knee hurt like I had this like knee problem, like why does my knee hurt and and if I was just being you know if i wasn 't getting clinical here. I, you know, most doctors, if not looking at the whole body, would say, "Oh, you need knee surgery, right?" But right. then I went to this like sports medicine place, and and the person had me. Uh, I remember lying on my side, and they like tested my leg strength of different muscles, right? And one was like, "Okay, um, open your leg up, and then I'm going to try to push it down. Don't let me, right?" Okay. And another one was like, "Open up your leg to try to test the inside leg muscle, the outside." So one of them, the one that was like the running and the one that uses skating, the outside one, was like strong. I was like proud of myself. Like, yeah, yeah. You're going to push a little harder than that? Like, come on, what do you got? But then when they tested the inside, you know, like leg muscle, nothing. Like, I might as well have been on a space station for a year. I had nothing. And like, they're like, you got an imbalance here. One muscle's tight and strong and pulling the weak one, and that's just throwing your knee off. We just got to make that other muscle strong and loosen up the outer one, and you're going to be good, right? And it's like, I just remember always being like, okay, don't just get so narrow focused on what you're looking at. And and you're so right. Like, getting clinical means being objective. And I wrote this down. You'd said it not all the requirements are things that you're doing. And we do that all the time. We're like, well, this is time. what I'm gonna do. But it's not just, it's like, oh, you're right. IT has to give us access to Salesforce yes. or the website. You yes. we have to get tracking code placed in the site. Who's doing that? Is that your IT team? Is that your web dev team? Who's doing that? It's not my team. It's not your team. Who is it? You know, you right. gotta get clear on these things.
2: Yeah, it brings clarity Yeah. And it, and it helps them move into a space where they can see how your, whatever it is that you're bringing to the table is going to fit into the whole structure, which makes you more valuable. Right. I mean, if, if you don't, in a downturn economy right now, where some of my clients are getting their budgets cut, you know, slash people being let go, they, why do they start with marketing? Because they don't see the value. Right. And so you want to bring value, you show how you fit into the whole and how just like your body, you cut off that arm, you're going to be hurting yeah. for life. And we just have not done a good job of communicating our value. And I think it's partly because we get so hung up on what we're going to do and on our tactics that we miss um, the clinical evaluation and the, the wonderful benefit we get of finding out what other departments do and how they affect us. I mean, it's not just for us, it's, it's, it's to learn about them too. And the more you get ingrained in the organization, the more value you bring.
0: Totally. And then you're irreplaceable. You're priceless.
2: That's
0: right. <laughs> now, my dad was a big
2: guy on, uh, on telling me, yeah. make yourself indispensable. That was his yeah. one piece of advice that he always gave me no matter where I work, no matter what I do. Who was that?
0: Who, who gave my you? dad,
2: my dad, oh, no my kidding. father. Yeah. Rest his soul, my dad.
0: Well, and great advice.
2: He, he said, make yourself indispensable. And that's what we try to do. But I, it's been a challenge. And I think we've found a little nugget of, how to begin to do that in, especially in larger organizations.
0: Especially. Yeah. Could we talk through some of these different groups? It sounds like you're like the department whisperer. So am, we, department we talked whisperer. about it, but like, can we go to it? Maybe just like your top points, like what are their hopes, fears, dreams, whatever. And we just like yeah. go two different departments that maybe you bump into and I'll just take some notes. Cause I want to, I want to learn here.
2: So it um, yeah. my friends, my dear, dear, dear friends in it, um, they're very worried about protecting their jobs <laughs> yeah. because when, in a world of automation where things could easily, you know, displace folks, they're worried about protecting their jobs. Totally. So why not um, address the the risk or the benefit of having them focus their efforts on other things than maybe on marketing things, but um, they're very worried about they're worried about that. So that's one thing. They're always also worried about the nebulous word. Are you ready, Casey?
0: Okay. Security. Security.
2: So the security thing is the, it's the linchpin. If they pull out all the stops, they will throw up the security red flag <laughs> to the C-suite. That'll be their last ditch effort. And you know what? Every C-suite person's like, Oh, puts us at a risk for security. Like, Okay, no, we can't do it. No one says that, no. That <laughs> that is the guillotine for all projects. Yeah, but we gotta define what security is. Yeah, because um, security. So, for example, um, we have uh, w- we use Google a lot, and we have clients that are are, are anti Google or anti Google Drive anyway. At least putting Drive, you know, because and one of the arguments that I got from IT was security, and that you know, this shared scenario could be problematic and they could take files and put files on that shared drive. And my question was, so do you scan everybody every day? Do you pat them down before they leave the office for any jump drives they might have in their pocket? Because if you're talking about that being in a security risk and you being heightened security, uh, I can take a picture on my phone of whatever I have and walk right out your door. Are you checking every day? Because mm. so it's security.
1: It's all, relative. it's
2: all relative. Yeah, all relative. And I'm not definitely not propon- a proponent of being, you know, an asshole to sorry to.
0: No, you can to, swear. This is the hardcore marketing okay. show. Ew.
2: To IT, I'm not going to walk in and be like, "Oh yeah, are you doing that?" But you have to ask right. the questions of what do you mean by security, and that's in that mm. good risk ass- evaluation before you present something. What are they worried about? Right. In terms of risk and right. security, but that is the, that's the killer word. That's the word they'll use to to put the kibosh on anything. That you yeah.
0: That's do. the, like, they throw the flag and it's, it's over like penalty, 15 yards, like whatever. Um, but good point about security being relative because you're right. Do I get access to the system or not? And, you know, are you really the CIA over there? But instead of, being a, instead of poking the bear, right, we're not poking yeah. the IT bear. We're just we're trying to find – I want to know, understand um, what your standards are. And sometimes they even – they have to have standards for, like, medical reasons or whatnot. Right. So they already have prescribed standards. So just getting hip to, you know, whatever standard they have and knowing that acronym and being aware of maybe some of the criteria or asking, what is the criteria? What are the requirements for your security level?
2: If you got that in advance of going yeah. out and picking a platform. So sidebar, part of marketers' problems is that they, um, that they go and pick a platform before they do these kinds of assessments. Ah. And so if they would go out and find out that IT's security requirements are A, B, C, and D, and they can come back with a platform that meets those requirements, then IT is not going to think that they're trying to slide one by them. and that's something we just have not been good at in marketing. We, we see something that's really cool. And we're like, Oh my gosh, this solves all my problems, my problems, my, or my client's problems. Right. But we, we need to be asking those questions of it for specifics. And then you go back to the platform and you make sure that the platform matches the requirements, not the other way around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We act like kids. Right. I reminds me of my kids where, You know, they see something on TV. Hey, I want this laser gun thingy. And and when IT says no, because we didn't do it the way you just described, we just went out and picked the whatever thing that's like the the wimpiest security platform ever. Um, You know, it's terrible. It doesn't meet their requirements. And they're like, no, you can't have it. They throw the flag. We kind of get pouty sometimes. Oh, Yeah. IT wouldn't let me get it, but I didn't play by the rules. I wasn't acting like an adult here. I was acting like a toddler. <laughs>
2: That's right. And IT I, w- is I want my software.
0: Win. Give it to me.
2: I <laughs> give you my software. Yeah. <laughs> the temper tantrum. The software Seriously. temper tantrum. But I'm guilty I mean, of this, I'm sure. We're we're gonna lose. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna lose every time. And for me it's about the win, the organizational yeah. win. It's not yeah, about yeah even my department winning, it's about the organizational win, but you are not going to beat IT. You're just not going to, because they're going to throw that security flag and you're out.
0: Right. right. It's like you need to do everything ahead of time so they never throw that.
2: Right. And you need to speak clinically. You need to speak in English language that is very clear and is not, remove all the little special adjectives that you would put into your marketing yes. campaign and just tell them what it is there doesn't need to be as soon as they spot a word i'm trying to think of an example of a word that would make them crazy uh thoroughly examined like oh, yeah quit, quit quit the flourishing word the adjectives um
0: Or something that, something that is like an acronym that sounds like it's code, but it's not.
2: Yeah, don't, if you put that stuff in, they're going to blow holes through it and they're going to immediately think you're bogus. Right. So that's where you got to shift. This is why this is communication. You have to know your audience and you communicate to your audience, which is going to be my second myth, but you need to know how to, you need to know how to put content together for your audience. That audience does not need flowery anything. They're reading they're writing code and rating things 1.1, 1.1.1, 1.1.2. Just be, we can, we have to think linearly and we have to think, put it together in an outline form that they can follow. This is not, you do not do an animated presentation to, to IT. <laughs>
0: you
2: know, drop the jazz hands, get to the clinical, give them a report, walk it through very linearly. Right. And, um, and and make and assure them that what you're doing is not going to uh to, you know that's going to meet their requirements right. and it's not going to push them out of a job
0: it's like whenever it's good to think about what they're up against right it's yeah. almost like they're a goalie you know you can you can never win the game it never wins they only that's
2: right. win for
0: you you know like i i started out in goal and soccer till i realized I mean, this is fun. I get a different uniform, but this sucks. Cause like if we win, it was like the guy that scored the goals fault. And if we lose, it's my fault, <laughs> you, <laughs> it's, it's you know? You. So I'm like, so I transitioned to being a, a forward just so I can go score some goals and whatnot, but you're right. And so knowing that their job is like protect, protect, protect. Um, I just, every time I see like a website or I go, you go to like a popular site and, and you see like a DNS error or something, you're like, Whoa. And it's like a popular one. So you're like, that shouldn't happen. Right. In the back of my head, I always joke like, oh, someone's getting fired, right? Yes, really joke, always, like, right? Somebody yeah. probably is. Like your job is at our site. If, if an e-commerce site is down, like a popular one, like 10 minutes, like m- it could be millions. It could be right. millions, JCPenney's Somebody's- or something like that. Like, or it, God forbid, Amazon. That's why there's millions of people just to make sure it never happens. But their job is to protect. And, and if they, like the goalie, if they let one in, it's on them and companies can't afford that. So yeah, no, it, we're different No, We're out in field. We're like passing the ball, to forwards, having fun, running around. Yes. We got to play a little more defense, you know, I don't sports metaphor came from nowhere, but like, I actually go really back like that, that metaphor. Can yeah. I steal
2: that? Cause I'm going <laughs> to use the goalie thing. I think that's really, I think it's, that's exactly how they feel. They're right. always on defense. If they win, yeah, they might win as part of the team, but they don't get that individual glory. And if they lose, it's their fault. Right. And you're right. We are all about, and I'm all about the wins.
1: That's why yeah. I don't
2: want to be goalie, right? right. I, I'm all about the wins too. But we have to think more defensively. We have to put ourselves in that position, and um, and realize that they're there for a reason. Right. And and address, ask them the question. The thing we don't do is we don't ask. We just make talk about assumptions. Yeah. We make them all the time and we make the assumption that they're going to be close-armed to us. Well, what if they weren't? If you actually asked them in advance before you brought a new particularly software program to 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 the table. Yeah. And and if, if it goes around them, they're going to find out and they're they're going to put the kibosh on
0: it. For sure. And you know what? I'm thinking about, well, how do you how do you learn it? Well, ask the first couple couple times or just start asking the question and eventually you know whether it's customers or internally even asking the questions preemptively, right? You're not looking to buy anything right now. Hey, I'm not, Hey, good news. No jazz hands today. I'm actually not looking to spend any money, buy any new tool, introduce anything, any more risk. I'm just curious about what kind of things you're on the lookout for and what kind of things you're worried about. And just asking those questions preemptively, I could see that going a long way, you know, making a good friend.
2: Prior to COVID here's the word I would give you cookies,
0: Cookies. take them,
2: take them cookies. Yeah. Take them cookies.
0: What kind of cookies? Take them for what
2: they do. Homemade, whatever you make.
0: You have to make them. Cause I think like some Girl Scout cookies might be like, just like I, spot on.
2: I think it goes a long way to, I mean, I have, um, I worked at, uh, for a while at, at Progressive Insurance a long time ago. And, um, I had to bring a bunch, I worked in HR communications at the time and,
1: Ooh, and I had to,
2: to bring all of these groups together for this this big manual that they did. This is back before internet days. That's how old I am. Wow! And, um, and tell me stories, Sue.
0: What was it like not having the internet? No, I did. I was there The
2: the internet arrived (laughs) on my desk at Progressive in 1995. And so,
0: um,
2: but they still had, you know, printed manual for their, for their HR, uh, their HR binder. Right. And it was the, it was the bane of everybody's existence. And I went to the meeting and it was, I'm the new, I'm the new woman. And it's like, and we got through it. And at the end of the whole process, I baked everybody involved. I baked them cookies
1: mm-hmm. and I brought them
2: cookies to their desk. And I was like, I know this has been a pain in the ass, but here's some chocolate chip cookies. And I can't wait to do, with this, do this with you next year. I'm telling you the next year when a time came and I called the meeting together, the whole demeanor had changed. Really? And, and I just think it's lack of appreciation sometimes. And it, communication does not always, it's not always words. It's gesture. And it's, and you know, so COVID, you might have to ship some cookies to somebody, but the point is acknowledge that you don't know what they know. You don't do what they do and you don't understand and see things through the same filters that that they do. So why not get some common ground and go to lunch or whatever and just find out what the heck they do and what do they worry about? What keeps them up at night? Right. And, and then. When you go to them with, hey, I've got some ideas on something, talk to me about security. They're going to be much more amenable to, to having a discussion to begin with, and they're not going to think you're their enemy. Right. Because nobody wants anybody to hate marketing anymore.
0: Uh, you know, cookies is a great idea. As soon as this, uh, this COVID thing is all done, we should just all do ourselves a favor and just bake a bunch of cookies.
2: I think a lot of people could use cookies today. This yeah. very day, I think... Dropping yeah, off actually, some cookies at people's that. doors just because would be, you know, last week, well, a friend of mine just randomly left a homemade loaf of bread on my door.
0: Wow, well, uh, What kind? Just, you, what kind of bread? Uh,
2: it was like a braided one. I mean, it was fancy. She made it, oh. but it was braided and it had like almonds and honey on the outside. And, but what that did for Does me. Does she need
0: more friends? Right? At, uh...
2: <laughs> but we forget about this in business. We forget that we're still all yeah. people. We're still human. So uh, cookies, freaking get cookies or make cookies.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, tummy bribery is all is all fair. Like, yes. to your point, do it preemptively. Not like, oh, I messed up. I'm trying to introduce risk to you. Here's some cookies. No. That's bitter cookies. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, That's not going to work.
2: With, like flowers after a fight. No. Right. That's a bad move.
0: Right. Or I haven't called so. you in two weeks, but here's some flowers. Terrible right. move. Terrible yeah. move. <laughs>
2: yeah. HR needs some cookies. Finance needs some cookies. So, yeah. all these departments you're talking about, operations, manufacturing, they all need cookies, but they all do things you don't do. So, right. why not appreciate that and bring them into your fold?
0: Right. Mm. Got me thinking about braided bread and cookies and Oreos and homemade cookies. Uh, do you, so, the homemade, you made homemade chocolate chip cookies? I did. Got it. So like what we, a lot. You know, what we need to do is we need to get your chocolate chip recipe and put it in the show notes. It's, it's it the secret. It's
2: toll, it's toll House. It's Toll House. Shh. It is.
0: It's not Toll House. It's, it's the, Toll House with love. Do a special. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's,
2: it's Toll House with, with love. So they are better than that. Yeah.
0: Oh, true. True. But honestly, those are, those can be really good themselves. So, and nobody says no to a cookie, you know, especially if you just no. have a salad for lunch or something. You can't turn a cookie down. Come on. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, okay. Um, by the way, real quick tangent, because I want to get to uh, finance next, but HR. Um, yeah. You don't necessarily deal with them as much unless the internal communication like you're talking about. But back to that goalie metaphor, I feel like HR is kind of like marketing where we're in the midfield where we're trying to help everybody out, but they think they're a goalie. Or maybe, maybe they <laughs> have to be a goalie every now and then but they don't have to be, right? And so That's right. I think sometimes HR acts too much like they're the goalie. Like IT, I get it. You kind of are the goalie. You need to be pre- proactive or whatnot, but your job is to keep stuff running. HR, is your job really keep us from getting sued or is it to actually so that everyone is a, in a great state and able to kick some ass at work? I don't know. They're, like, they're
2: more like the tra- trainers. They're more like the conditioners.
0: Oh, you're right. On the side.
2: On the side. Yeah, I mean- I mean, they maybe they want to be in the game more than they are. But the fact is, if people are feeling lousy and they have got sore muscles, or somebody is, um, um, I don't know, not turning the hot water on in the in the yeah. in the room or in the showers, and you're you know getting cold. I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to give analogies, but I think they're Trainer. the conditioners. They're the yeah. They they're the ones that help right. you exercise to to be your best in whatever position you're playing.
0: Yeah. And they need to bring somebody in, like they go get the doc or whatever. Or you need someone, you need some outside training, bring them in. They could, they're totally, could totally be athletic trainer, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, so true. Wow. Yeah. I think they could really be more than what they maybe think they are.
2: Right. Because they're. I, I think what they're there for is to make everybody do their best in whatever position they play. Yeah. I think. And so if there's things that are preventing you from doing that, that's yeah. when they play goalie. But really it's, it's to work out those kinks and to put in the conditional regimens so that you can operate at, you know, the peakest, fittest condition.
0: Yeah, and if you get to the point where you're they're playing goalie all the time, like you're behind the curve. That's it's bad. It's not gonna work. Um, get off the field. Yeah, like Uber, right? <laughs> Uber a couple of years ago, and they're just getting thrashed, and everyone's writing about how terrible they are and finding. Yeah trash in the stairwell it's crazy um uh, there's a new special on tv an amazon show it's all about this um oh no apple it's an apple apple show it's all about this um game designer it's kind of like the office but they're creating like a um world of warcraft type game and and their hr person was getting like everyone would go visit them like a counselor oh (laughs) they're all lying on the couch (laughs) And she's like, I'm not your counselor. But finally, she just gave up. She's like, okay, I'll be your counselor. And then she was able to say, okay, your time is up. Then kicked him out of her office. But, um, but yeah, you want to get out in front of it for those guys. Okay, um, let's talk about finance. Whisper yeah. to me about finance in the way.
2: So again, what does finance care about? Finance cares about balanced budgets. Finance cares about the numbers.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but they also care about return on investment. So finance is not strictly. I think that marketing might have the perception that all finance cares about is money going out, that the the cost, the total. But I really think that finance is looking for uh, for value and looking for return. And so again, I don't think that we ask enough of finance what they care about when they're making. And it depends on the size of the organization. So I've worked with somewhere, finance is not as involved in some of the decision making, but. Um, I also am, you know, to, I, I serve fortune 500 companies where I've got, um, I have direct contact with the VP of marketing and marketing department, but my contract is run through purchasing, uh, which reports the finance. Uh, okay. Okay. And so purchasing sits down with me as an agency and like comparing my rates to, you know, the market, which I'm like really? Gotta hate those
1: guys.
2: (laughs) They're very much about the, the, you know, the contracts like 18 pages long and you know, basically yeah, I know I'm signing it going. I know I have no, I'm a vendor and I'm screwed. If something happens, I get it. I'm taking the risk. I'll do it. right? Right. But, um, but on the bigger projects, um, so it sometimes can go through purchasing and sometimes can go directly through finance as a budget line item. But being able to talk to them about things like, you know, say you've got a new software initiative you do want to bring, finding out what they think about capex projects, capital expenditure projects, where it's a one-time deal, and there's you did that. I've
0: heard I've heard capex before. Tell me what that is, though. Tell me.
2: I'm not gonna. I'm gonna speak a little out of term, but again, this was this was something that was new to me coming through um, with with my business partner. Um, But it's it's kind of a a one-time investment. Think of it as. Um, we're going to, we're going to pay once big for a new thing. And they'll, it, it's like a, it becomes an asset of the organization that depreciates over value really? over time. I mean, and so when you've got a, a big marketing initiative, particularly a digital one that is going to be part of the infrastructure of the organization, it could go in as a line item CapEx project. And I don't think that marketing would ever even think to investigate that. Even right. if you would ask a question like that, you suddenly come to a different position at the table with finance. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, what are they thinking about with that? Mm-hmm. So I I, don't, I, you'd have to check with your organization, but doing a little research on things like CapEx projects, um, looking at things like when is software an asset? When is software a straight expense? Um, and then how long, they're going to wonder about if I pay this thing now or I get this thing now, how long is this thing, whatever the thing is that you're bringing to the table, going to last us?
0: Mm, how long? Yeah.
2: How long? Um, and because they can look at, they don't look, they're not looking at the expense like we are right here up close. They are always looking out into the horizon. So finance is thinking further ahead than this year or next year. And if right. you can't describe how this affects the organization this year, next year, and five years from now, you might miss some of their risks or their assumptions.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a bigger picture being yeah. able to see, you know, and, and just like if you if you get a car or you get a building, not that we you know, what we should probably like we should get like some super financial call one time and just have people just talk like amortize things you can deduct value from it over time and say okay you have your building you can you can get some tax breaks on things but just to have a longer view of things could be really helpful i love that question i i've yet to hear that you know when is software an asset when is something you're doing in marketing when could that be considered an asset not not Jazz hands figuratively. Right. We're, hey, we're all assets listening to the show. <laughs>
2: yes. You tell HR, it's okay. We know we're assets.
0: We're,
2: <laughs> You're yes. good, HR. Right. Yeah, this is an actual asset. This and is not ass that, hats.
0: Assets. Right. <laughs> Don't
2: assets. do yeah. assets. Yeah. Assets. Yes. Right. Where they're actually tangible assets to the organization. And so if you think about like large corporations have, several might have gone through um, ERP, Enterprise okay. Resource Planning. Yep. ERP, I mean, those things are tens of millions of dollars, right? But the whole view of that expenditure is increased productivity, you know, less expense in the future. Um, All those things are woven into that. So they're willing to write the big checks on those things. Why are they not willing to write the big checks on, say, a quarter of a million dollar or a million dollar technology thing that marketing wants to bring? Well, I don't think we do a good job at finding out what's important to them or at painting that long-term value and actually proving it out.
1: Right. So
2: not just saying we're going to do that, but having the data to back it. Right. In every case all along here, data is your friend. Mm. And in our, in our world and marketing space, we kind of work in abstracts. We sort of talk abstractly. We think abstractly. We need to bring data to the table through all, for all these departments, including HR, bring data. And yeah. we need to be able to prove that the data that we put out there, we actually met or exceeded that projection. And again, I don't know that we're great at producing the results to prove that we did what we said we were going to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do, you know, do what you said you were going to do um, or show the results, show the metrics so that it shows that you care <laughs> and right. you're holding yourself accountable. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely encountered the CapEx project as an agency, um, helping build out Salesforce for people as well as like a massive part on account, um, account, but in thinking internally as well, it's like if, if it, not it, if, if finance is in a place where they actually need to spend some money because they're going to get hit with taxes, all their voodoo science that they know yes. the math and they're like, Oh, we actually need to spend 60 grand, 600 grand, whatever it is, or we're going to get, you know, whacked for a million dollars in extra taxes this year. What could we invest it in? Speaking the CapEx language and translating that to a, hey, we can build out this marketing asset that can automate, you know, do this or that or whatever it is. Speaking that language, you might actually get yourself some budget there that you didn't have previously. And it might come from finance. It might not even come from sales (laughs) or the CEO. You You know, sales and CEO like, oh, sorry, you don't have any money. Finance, hey, what's up? Hey, we could do this little capex project over here. They're like, yeah, actually here. Can you can you do something productive with this 30k and then let me uh, you know, amortize it over the next several years? Absolutely. Here, I'll get you the documents, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: But how often does marketing talk to finance?
0: I know, right?
2: It's it is it is dropping these walls. Yeah. Uh, and so it starts relationally and then it moves to the clinical Go get yeah. your, go do your homework before you bring the idea and then make sure that whatever idea that you're, whatever new technology, it generally falls this all these same, like new technology is where it generally gets, right. You know, goes up against the wall, but right. um, you bring, you can make sure that that new technology can really matches the requirements. And we we become, you know, strategic requirement gatherers. And that's yes. not something that I would have normally put as a, as an agency job description. But one of the things we've been able to do as a, as a third party is ask maybe some tough questions that an internal party maybe feels a little weird about because they do. Um, yeah. we we don't we're we're no holds barred because we're we're a vendor. But right. that we've we've ferreted out those requirements and then put it together in a clinical presentation back to the business and the business is being really receptive. The, our clients' businesses are being receptive to this because they can see that marketing did go out and go get what were the requirements. And here's how this solution meets those requirements. Everybody right. wins. I'm all about the wins, Casey. I don't like the lose.
0: All about the wins. All, about, all about, the about the W's. W's.
2: <laughs> I don't um, like to lose.
0: It's like if we did theme songs on the show, we'd play that all I do is win song right before you start talking. That'd be fantastic. You know, there's one thing I wanted to to bring up too that you reminded me. Um, when you talked about, you know, it's not just about the numbers, but terms. And we've been talking about CapEx and other terms that we are pretty sure we don't know. We should look up and ask <laughs> Absolutely. people. Absolutely. But there's terms like ROI where I think we think I think we think we know what they mean, but I don't think we always ROI, isn't that that's like a financial term, right? We're,
2: it is a financial term. And
0: we can't get we can't get jazz handy on that no. one either. It's and we not, do
2: that all the time. Yeah,
0: it's not like did you enjoy yourself on that campaign? <laughs> you know? Um <laughs> that's right? so true.
2: How did you feel about it? Yeah, how did you feel, feel about the Feel that, good that
0: CapEx expenditure.
2: <laughs> yeah, that felt good. No, right. it's you're right. It, ROI is an actual financial term return on investment. You're going to make this kind of investment. There better be a number behind that and the front part and a number on the back part. Right. And we're just really bad. I, 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 I'm, I lump me into it. I'm not great with numbers. I mean, I've run a business for a really long time. I know what I need to know, but I leave the numbers to other people. Um, but I, I learn enough now to be dangerous because I, I need to know one, I need to be viewed as respected and as knowledgeable by the other party. I can admit to them I don't know everything, but here's what I think I know, and run that past them. Sure, um, but sure. ROI is not something you want to just toss around. That's, yeah, yeah.
0: It's, that it's, is it's not. Yeah, it's not feelings. You know, um, I uh, many moons ago, I chatted with a guy named Jim Lenscold on here, and he is like, he was an accountant turned marketer, and he reminded me that like. ROI calculation, it doesn't mean did you sell something? It's like you know, it's like, okay, I spent ten dollars, you know, we'll get rid of some zeros. I spent ten dollars and somebody bought something for five dollars. That doesn't mean my ROI is five. That means you actually was negative. Lost five. Right, you lo- you lost fifteen dollars. So whatever percent that is is your your ROI percentage. It doesn't mean that you know just selling something doesn't matter. It's actually yeah. selling something. The cost of what you got versus the cost of what you spent. Like it's a real calculation. So nothing gets you burned faster. And it was security for IT for these guys thinking that you're talking you know trifling with the metrics and then being inaccurate. I like how your approach was like, look, this is what I think I know. Is that right? You know, right. kind of giving them some humble pie and getting a lesson in finance from the right people.
2: I mean, it's the, I think it's what's driven uh, me owning an agency is I love that it's new every day. Yeah. I love finding out about things I don't know. I like that my clients do things I don't do. And I get just geeked and jazzed about that. So yeah. I, I think it's a, I find it as a, like a, like a challenge. Of, yeah. Well, if I can speak more finance, I, I like that, but you, yeah. you got to have an appetite for it and you got to be able to eat your humble pie when they right. smack you down and go, you don't know shit. Right. And you go, you go, Oh, <laughs> you're right. I just don't know. I <laughs> was really dumb of me to even try that one. You know, you, you have to be able to, to to roll with that. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes where marketing again gets stifled is they're trying to look smart, because they're smart, but look smart. And by looking smart and saying using improper terms and and being uh, flowery and all those things, we end up looking dumb because we yeah. dumb down our message instead of really getting the substance.
0: Yeah, you're it. not dumb. No. So just Take a second, take a breath
1: yeah.
0: and, uh, and throw a little humble pie out there. I love that idea of just, I'm not really sure on this one. What's your take, you know, here, here's what I, or, or say that to someone else that knows yeah. and prep in advance for that meeting. Um, so you don't have to walk out, you know, with your tail behind your legs kind of thing. Um, any other departments we should address? I feel those like two biggies that have been underserved, I don't know if there's any other ones that are calling out to you. Just that,
1: in the
2: operation. I mean, it depends on what kind of client or, or what kind of business you're in. For my manufacturing clients, I do like to have a handle on particularly if they want to promote a new product or service, the delivery of that can, mm-hmm. you know, what, what goes into it so that we are not over promising and then they can, they under deliver therefore breaking your campaign and your brand. Um, so there, I guess it depends on the, on the client and mm-hmm. on, you know, the, what you're doing, but, um, anything where you're looking at, um, you're looking at, you're bringing, you're bringing in new technology or a new project or something, a new initiative that you want to work through. You have to stop and think through who does this affect. So it could affect more departments than what we mentioned, but those ones that we mentioned are pretty much always involved.
0: Yeah. Huh. Very cool, man. This is crazy. Where, where do you see this going? You know, we got a couple, couple of years, you know, we got a couple of years and then what happens? Like. Any, any changes coming around the bend? Anything we should look out for?
2: Um. Well, I mean, I, I would have said something different like three months ago.
0: That's true. I know, right? I, I my plan in January is totally different than my plan right now.
2: It's just jacked up. I mean, the this is the new norm. Yeah. You know, obviously. Soon. And so the marketing initiatives are going to, I mean, they were already digital, but they're going to be more and more and more that way. Right. Um, uh,
0: do you have an office? Like, a?
2: a I do plan. have an office, although yeah. we all work remotely and we have for the last year. So yeah. I have a home base, a few, a few of us, I, I like to come to the office, but, um, and there's a few that have kids at home where it's a little challenging for them in terms of, of their work. But, um, I think that that's, I think there's gonna be a lot of commercial real estate
1: from the I market. Say, like,
0: yeah, I got a little office for me too. I've always enjoyed it to sort of change the scenery and then, you know, you, you, the energy is there. And so you're ready to do that. And then home is home and work is work. But I tell you, what, I haven't been in it for a while. So I, I'm trying to figure out if I even keep it, you know?
2: Yeah. I don't think there will be, if we do keep, we have much bigger space than we need right now. Yeah. Um, but I've got, I've got employees around the country too. So we're used to that and that that's going to be something, all the businesses that my clients that were uh, hesitant about working from home, you know, they had kind of weird work from home or, or (laughs) telecommuting scenarios. Now they're suddenly like, Oh, wait a minute. People really can do that and not just blow off work. You can, you can still manage remotely and all that kind of stuff. Um, from a marketing perspective, uh, I think you know, again, this is, this conversation we're having here is going to be more and more important because which digital platforms do we entertain? What, what do Mm -hmm. we bring? Those are going to be, you know, I think of heightened concern and a lot of the other more traditional ways are going to go even more by the wayside than they were already going faster. So we've got to be smart. And, uh, the way to get to be smart is to get smart, (sighs) get smart about the things you don't know.
0: Mic drop get clinical, boom yeah, you heard it here sue so, hey, who are you <laughs> like I'm enjoying the hell out of this conversation um you know a lot of things and you speak in, in the secret dark languages of all these other departments so like can you take us back to like the 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 days of little Sue? did you always know you wanted to do this kind of stuff and in no. shop and like who would you want to be when you're growing up
2: i uh so I'm uh, it's weird to go back, right? But I, um, I am the first in my family to go to college and I am the youngest by a long shot. So I was a late in life baby for my parents. So the next oldest to me is 10 years older. My oldest sister is 20 years older than me.
0: No kidding. uh,
2: And so my dad was, uh, he owned a repair garage and he was blue collar guy. And it was pretty much just get through high school, get your diploma and go get a job.
0: And we all knew how to like a garage, like a repair job.
2: Like, yeah. Yeah, he was a mechanic.
0: Did you pick any of those skills up?
2: Well, yeah, because we all had to work in the shop. And so, weirdly, automotive has followed me kind of my whole career. So, yeah. um, I work for a lot of businesses that have some play in automotive, even when I worked at Progressive. I mean, it was insurance, auto insurance. Well, you know
0: what the hell you're talking about. Me, on the other hand, not so much.
2: <laughs> I I could do the basics, but, um, I had to, I had to know cars and learn cars.
0: What are the basics to you though? Like oil change?
2: Yeah. Oil change. You know, I, uh, recently, I forget where it was. I was in a car and I was like, your, your wheel bearing's is going bad. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I can tell because my dad taught me how to like trained how me you, in the car and how I you know, hear what'd things. What'd you feel? Like, what'd you hear? Um, it was a, it was a, um, it was a clunk it was a it was a how do i describe what that sound was? You want like
0: you want to like try to fake the noise
2: i can't fake the noise i'm bad at noises <laughs> was
0: it was like a um, kirk, 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 or was it like kirk, it
2: wasn't like a grind it was like a it was like a continuous bump like a ding 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 ding, 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 ding. and Was that, that a good sound yeah um when i was in college my alternator went out of my um i had a dotson 210 it was a okay great car. and i was i was out at the bars with my friends and the I knew that something was wrong with the car, and I'm like, this isn't the battery; it's the alternator. And I'm like, my dad's gonna freaking kill me because I know that it's gonna die wherever I park it, and I'm gonna have to have it towed. And my my friends were so like laughing at me; they're like, what? And I called my dad, and I'm like, Dad, the lights are browning; they're not out; it's an alternator thing. And they're like, how do you know that? It's just because my dad George just disseminated weird car things to me, but.
0: Well, this is like marketing and mechanics here. Marketing. You're the marketing mechanic now. Um, yeah. That's the title. It's, <laughs> it's
2: the marketing happening. Mechanic. Um,
0: so uh, either that or getting clinical. That was a t- tough call on that one. But um, how did you know it was the alternator? Because I, I, th- I think some people are listening to this.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: going because
2: like, he t- he told me once, and I don't remember why it stuck with me, when your alternator is going out, so the lights were not going i had weird things on the dashboard again this was like in the in the early 90s late 80s early '90s. so it's an old car right i don't know if it still happens with today's computerized cars i'm sure but the lights (laughs) didn't go off they went brown they went dim dim and all the lights went dim and it was kind of it was puttering as i was pushing on the gas it's like it wasn't taking off but it was like they, it, the battery's not getting the juice. Right. Because I remember saying to my dad, what's an alternator? And it's like, it, it juices the battery. And it's not the same thing as your battery dying and not turning over. It turned over, it went, but it was like, it was slowly puttering out and the lights went brown. That, I don't know why that stuck, but it stuck.
0: Boom. Now, see, see we don't just teach marketing on the show.
2: <laughs> if your he's lights go brown, but you what could... you're driving can be <laughs> alternator.
0: Yeah. You grew up around this. So at one point it's like, okay, time to go to school. Did they encourage you to do that? Or was that on you? Because they were just, Um, yeah,
2: I wanted to go. I was really a lousy high school student. I graduated with a two six. I really didn't care. I beat you. You did. That's cool. I didn't care about high school. Um, You said you didn't care? Is that what you said? I didn't care.
0: Would you, what did, usually you care about something else. What did you care about that was
2: I was really lost in high school. I really? didn't know what I Just wanted like, to do. don't care about
0: anything kind I of I didn't thing? care about
2: anything. I was in band, but I didn't even okay. care about band. It's bad to be a band nerd and not even be a band nerd. For
0: sure. I'm with you. What did you play?
2: But I, I played. <laughs> okay, let me say first. What I, I took 12 years of piano and I played. I taught piano. I played piano. But wow. I played in, in band, I played trombone. No kidding. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's real sexy. Why? A high school student. I know um in fifth grade you had to pick an instrument my brother played yep. trombone and we have one at home and the the band teacher said you're playing trombone so i played trombone um but it's not easy it. I and
0: mean, i played trumpet right so at least i can it's either yeah. down or not on the valve but trombone you gotta figure out how long to stretch your arm out it's pretty easy is it easy
2: it's not that hard like i could probably pick it back up but yeah you just kind of go off of you need a
0: marketing band a, we need a little a marketing jazz band going on here
2: I played, um, so I played piano and I, when okay. I graduated, I knew I went, I, I was, I wanted to go to a, this a local school, Malone University, which is in my hometown. And I don't even know why I picked Malone. I, my a cousin went there. I went there, I visited it, I liked it. I said I wanted to go there. My parents conceded, but I went in as a music major. Wow. And, um, because I knew I could play piano and I really just thought that was probably what I'll do is I'll teach piano.
0: And they were cool paying for a, for a music major? Well, I, say.
2: I had to take a lot of loans. I was going to say, get, I'd be like, get they, some loans, child. My parents child. <laughs> were not wealthy, and so they could pay some, but I had two jobs. Yeah. And, wow. and so, but, but intro to communications, first semester,
1: yeah,
2: uh, required course. It's a liberal arts college, so everybody had to take it. Uh, my professor, Dr. Kim Phipps, who's the president at Messiah University, Messiah College in Pennsylvania, um, she uh, pulled me aside at the end of the course and said, would you take a journalism course? I see some promise in your writing. Those are the words she said to me. And I say that very distinctly here with you, Casey, because people's words have extreme power. Yeah. And those words were powerful to me and I remembered them and they changed my life. Um, I went, I took a journalism class the next semester. I fell in love with it. Um, and I never went back to music. I, I became a different person at Malone University, like radically transformed. I was editor of the school paper, vice president of the student body. This is a girl who graduated from high school with a two six, with a physics teacher who told her she had no chance of making it in college.
0: Stupid and and science teachers.
2: His words (laughs) were powerful too.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait, what did he say?
2: He said, well, he thought I cheated on my final because I did well in my final. I did not cheat on my final, Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson. And, uh, and he's Rick Thompson. And he said, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a little salty. Uh, he said to me at graduation practice, um, I want you to know that your college professors are not going to let you cheat on your finals. And so you're never going to make it in college.
0: He said that at graduation? He did. What a douche.
2: <laughs> so I, I was like, for me, high school, is was like, I'm done. D you all, yeah, but
0: now, granted, yeah. you didn't care. She was probably a shitty student, but still, I was a shitty student.
2: You but don't say I, that. I, I did you. like physics, though. I did like that class. Isn't
0: that funny? Um, you like the thing, and then I, I like chemistry, and I got a D in it because I like. I got chemistry.
2: a D in chemistry too. I, yeah. So uh, at Malone, that that radically transformed me at Malone, and I found wow. that I really loved to write. And um, and my professor was she was my mentor. She still is. Um, she really challenged me to get great internships. And so I, I really liked the PR aspect of things. I, they didn't have a PR major there, just communications and you could focus in journalism. So I, I did that. And then, um, I left and I really wanted to be in government. <laughs> I really wanted to work in the, the Ohio state house.
0: Why? Like what, was there some little, little bug in your ear that made you want to do that? Or, uh,
2: I just like the idea. I think it's a power thing. Yeah. I like the idea of being where decisions are made. Okay. And, uh, yeah. and I, so there was a postgraduate internship program that I really was interested in. There were 300 applicants. They interviewed a hundred of us, 25 positions, and you're sitting with number 26. I was like the runner up to the beauty. Oh no shit. Yeah. And, uh, so we, I, I went, I didn't get that job. And all they told you you were 26. I was 26. I was the first alternate. Mm. It's sucks thanks wah, wah. thanks Ohio <laughs> <laughs> that's right thank you
0: thanks for nothing
2: um so I ended up going back to get this um I had done an internship and I went back to an automotive trade magazine and so again I couldn't escape like writing about cooling systems and headlights and fan belts <laughs> and and I, and I wrote about that stuff um really then then I left there and went to a really small agency. It was the her name was Marie Covington. Again, I'm going to mention her by name because yeah. she is a mentor to me too. But she had been uh, downsized from a large corporation, and and she started her own firm. And it was her and the office manager, and I was her first account executive. Wow! And she hired me. I was totally green. I was 22, and but I I didn't want to work in automotive aftermarket trade magazines and so I went to work for her and she I got to see from her vantage like everything that the agency did how we got clients how we service clients how we build clients how we dealt with wrong things how we work with designers I mean we didn't have I had a computer at my desk but no internet then um and everything was done you know by phone everything because I'm I'm old, Casey. I'm 50. No, so no, just-
0: you're OG. That's what you, you're OG. You're old school. I am. You're, you're um, classic. You're the classic version.
2: I am classic. There you go. But, <laughs> but I, I knew at 22, um, within six months, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to own my wow. own firm. Wow. And if I did it, I would do it these ways. And I knew I needed big company experience to, to serve big companies. So I left her firm after a few years and went to Progressive to get big company experience. And that was just amazingly beneficial. One, Progressive is an amazing organization. And, and I just got to see the red tape that my employee, that my employees, that my clients have to go through internally. And yes. I got a new vantage point. And um, so I quit the Progressive cold turkey in 1997. I was like, I'm gonna try this before yeah. we have kids. And I'm just, just gonna do go it. do this thing. And Progressive came with me as a client, which was no huge. No kidding. Yeah, they were my client for like 15 years.
0: No um, kidding, what were you doing for them, PR stuff?
2: Uh, I started by, they, they, I gave them like a month's notice because I wasn't going to another job. And so they, uh, they asked me if I would, I, well, I, I left everything in really good shape and about two weeks into my notice, my boss came and said, would you take half your job with you? Yes, I will do that. So at the time I was doing benefits communication, Um, and I had like two or three internal clients I was doing communication for, then other departments started to hire me. So I started doing agent communications and, um, external things too. And, um, and then some of the clients, I never would call on the clients that I had with Marie. I respected her and Mm -hmm. would never solicit her clients, but some of her clients called me, which I didn't think was wrong because I didn't pursue them. Um, right. And so uh, one of those clients called me as soon as I started and they've been my client for 23 years that I've
0: been 23 with years. Wow. Yeah. So that's how you know it's working. That's how you know you know someone is actually driving creating value for you and your companies when they stay with you for that. That's amazing. I'm
2: really really honored to to yeah. that have that happen. So um so the agency grew out of my two bedroom house in the hood in Akron, Ohio and I just started getting clients. I worked from home for the first six years and then, uh, started growing it by employees. i worked with a lot of freelancers. I was kind of the yeah. sole person coming up with the strategy and the messaging and all the writing, but then I would work with, you know, videographers, web people, whoever I needed. Yeah. And then I, and then I grew the firm, um, to at our highest, we've had 26 employees.
1: Wow. Um,
2: Now we're, we're not that now. And I'm okay with that. We've, we've gotten lean and mean, but we still do the same amount of revenue with fewer people. So I'm okay with that.
1: Um,
2: and then five years ago, uh, I really knew that I needed to start looking at different ways that the agency could have revenue streams because I saw things changing and the traditional mechanisms by which we made money, were not going to be there. And, um, Rob Kemmer is an old friend of mine and he happened to show me some technology that he was working on and I saw it which is Squawker Mobile Media which is um a, 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 if you go to my website you'll see a mobile phone on the middle of the screen I don't apologize for that um 80% of my traffic is mobile and I just need you to get my phone number I mean that's I, I'm simple that way
0: Wait um, which it, which is it the Desidera site?
2: desidara.com
0: desidara yeah
2: yeah And so I saw what he was doing and I, and I saw how many organizations could use this as a tool to communicate. And, and it's all managed in Google, you know, doc spreadsheets and slides easy. No, 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 uh, no, no need for a webmaster. People can manage their own content very easily. And I said, don't talk to anybody else. I want to buy it. And so I bought it. And we brought it to our agency and now we have other agencies selling this technology. And Rob is now, uh, we, we changed our name. So it was Grabowski and company, my last name for 20 years. And in 2018 we changed it to Desidara because I think that the agency life is changing and I don't know, I want to have this for a long time and my last name doesn't mean anything. And Desidara gives us some ability to morph as things change. And so we rolled Squawker up underneath Azadara, and Rob is our CIO and acting COO, and uh, we have a team of about fifteen of us, and we are lean, mean, and we have a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at there the cell go. phone right on the page, and it's like boom, cell phone. Most of the visits are mobile anyway, so own it.
2: Yeah, does it, not. It's not. Um, it's it's not responsive design. It's really, we know, instead, it starts with the phone and with the desktop being secondary.
1: Yeah.
2: It's not applicable for everybody, but it works for, like, a lot of folks are using Squawker for directories where you're, it's all public anyway, but you you just, it's because you save the link to your phone, you save it to your home screen. It looks like an app, but it's just, Mm. but it doesn't take up any space. And it updates instantly every time. So the content's always up to date. And so we've got folks that use it for manuals. Instead of having print manuals, they put it on their phones in yeah. easily thumb-tappable sections.
0: I um, see. Because it's in, driven off Google Docs instead of some goofy HTML yes, type. It's
2: really easy. So anyway, we're we're continuing. I mean, Rob's bringing more and more products to market um, for us. But a lot of it is in the clinical space, in the in what we were talking about to start, um, which is – how do we gather the requirements? How do we put them into formats that people need, which could be in mobile, right. which could be in documents, which could be in presentations. Yep. And, and how do we do that efficiently? Automation, he automates so many things in our space. Right. And, but it's all out of a clinical mindset. And then, you know, then we go to market with crazy, fun social media campaigns and all the stuff that agencies normally do. Jeez. So there you go. That's our having A lot
0: of fun over there.
2: I do have fun. I have fun every day. I really do. uh, I have fun. I love what I do.
0: Well, that's, that's how you know you're, um, that's the sweet spot, right? Is when you feel like you're playing hooky and you should you're like, you're waiting for, I'm always waiting for the, the, the naughty cops to come take me back to school or something. Yeah. you're having too much fun back to high school quick. Yeah. And Um, I love,
2: I love talking to people like you, Casey. I mean, this is what brought us together was I don't do what you do. Right. So I love when firms come together. I mean, there is a lot of work to be out there to be gotten. Oh yeah. So, you know, marketing firms need to quit putting their, you know, standing with their arms crossed like us Mm for no more and realize that you need to bring a a plethora of ideas to your client base. So immediately when I saw what you did, I'm like, I got clients that need what you do.
0: Right. Vice versa. Right. I mean, um, and anyone that thinks they do everything is probably either fooling themselves or you shouldn't be <laughs> like, don't try to be everything to everyone, you know, specialize, do what you love. Um, and then bring in cool people that do the other stuff. That's, right. that's how you make question for you. Hypothetical. If you could go back in time and talk to yourself um, anytime, normally we say like after you graduated your undergrad, but that was a pretty. You you figured things out before that undergrad. If you can go back to time, talk to yourself any point in time, what kind of advice would you give to yourself? What kind of things would you tell yourself?
2: Um. Okay, a couple things. One would be I definitely would have kicked my ass in high school. Yeah. Uh, just because I think about what my parents had to sacrifice to put me through school, even what even though I took loans or whatever. Yeah. And I probably. I found out over time, like I'm not a dummy
1: right? and I
2: probably could have gotten some scholarship that would have really offset what they would have had to do. I wouldn't have wanted to change my trajectory as far as where I went, but I would have loved to supplement that. And I helped them out a little bit. I took advantage of that for sure. Plus, I mean, I got trounced on in high school. Like why couldn't I have been valedictorian? I could have been valedictorian. I just didn't, I just didn't care. And it, that came down to give a shitness. That was nothing about brains. That was sheer will.
0: Why, why, why do you think you didn't give a shit? Uh,
1: it was,
2: I probably cared a lot about what people thought. I think that that yeah. would be the second thing is just that I, I just still, I would tell my current self that yeah. I okay. don't care what people think. Sure. And so I didn't fit in to the normal crowd and I didn't fit into the clicks. And so I just retreated instead right. of stepping forward and I should have stepped forward. Now I step forward. Right. Um, if pe- people, people yeah. that I brought my worlds together recently where I had high school friends and some current friends who <laughs> accidentally met up at a, at a, at a bar <laughs> and my current friends were like, what's do like in high school. And all of them said a wallflower, quiet, they are like, no way. And the answer is that is the truth. That's what I was. I retreated. So um that's something I would I would definitely change. Uh what do you and, tell yourself?
0: Would you you instead of kicking your you think you'd be more positive to yourself? Or like how, how do you shake no, yourself out of that funk? You know?
2: I am definitely motivated by critique, not, yeah, by, you? <laughs> not by praise. So mine would have been like, I would be, I would be hard on myself. Listen up, be hard Sue.
0: That's right. <laughs> Get in there. Help your parents out yeah. a little bit. Let's go.
2: I'm not much of a hair stroker. I'm not much of a, oh, it's okay. <laughs> You're smart enough. You're strong enough. No, I would want my butt kicked. So
0: you would. Just that's kick, one thing I would do. You just kick your ass. You'd be like, get out, get out of here. And, and oh, by the way, dot, 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 journalism, go check it out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> learn how to write. That's, that's Learn how to write. Um, yeah. And then the second thing I would probably say is just, I didn't know where to go. Um, I don't know if this is a, I would have sought more counsel on starting my business. I mean, I had Mm. to learn a lot. Now I try to help as many people that come to me and say they're starting a business. And what advice would I give them? I try to give especially women as much advice as I could give them now, because I had to learn a lot of myself that now I surround myself with people that I, I, I can go to and say, what do you think about this or that? Or I I didn't really have that. Uh, I just kind of cold Turkey went and, Pretended like I knew and I didn't know, so I I would I would probably change that. Um, well, that.
0: That was kind of a theme. Like I think in marketing, we can be good at faking it till we make it, and sometimes you need to do that. But for the IT departments and the finance department, there's certain times the jazz hands away and you do a little learning so that yeah. you're not trying to fake it with the the wrong people.
2: That's right. So um, those those are little pieces. I mean, the rest of it, I wouldn't change anything. I have yeah. three great kids. Um, who are like just amazing human beings. Um, They're learning a lot of my lessons because I drive it into their brains every day
0: probably. But you give um, them a little kick so that they don't end up like how you are. Yeah, (laughs) I'm
2: very fortunate. I mean, all the way around. And I know I was very fortunate to find what I love so soon. And I know a lot of people don't find that um, right away. And so I'm always a big proponent of go try different things. Find out Mm -hmm. what you like or what you don't like. You don't know until you do it. But I was really, I think I was an anomaly that I found what I loved so quickly. I think most kids graduate from college are like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? And in marketing, there's lots of different aspects that you can pursue. And so I encourage people to go go try different things and volunteer somewhere. You know, yeah. if, if you don't, if you got a job, but you're trying to find out whether or not you like a different job, why don't you go volunteer somewhere that they have that need? Nonprofits need, marketers in all different spaces, they'll take whatever help they can get. Right. So go try it. See if you like that before you make a giant career move.
0: Smart. Now you can test it. Test the waters by helping people out. Yeah. Love it. This has been awesome. Where can people connect with you? You mentioned like helping people out, giving advice, and you starting a business or marketing. Obviously, if they um, could work with you and your team as well, what are some good links, platforms, all that?
2: So Desitar.com, um is just, and it's a very simple site, but you can come over there. I am on LinkedIn. I generally uh, accept most requests, but be helpful if somebody linked with me and said that they heard me on this podcast that I right. know because we all get weird spam.
0: We get that know. spam. Like don't, yeah. don't, don't come across like a spammer. Hey, I heard you in the podcast. You're amazing. Yeah. Right. Or I have a car question. Can you help me? Yeah. Something other Something. than just. Just and then, and then wait twenty four hours and be like, I need to pitch you. Here's my link. Sign up for more. Right. No, don't do
2: that. Yeah. Um, but uh <laughs> those those are the probably the two best places. Again, Facebook too. I have a public profile. Um okay. I I do get spammed, but again, if if people friend me and they demonstrate that they've heard me somewhere on here, um, I'm probably gonna accept it. Um like a public I,
0: figure one or like your actual no, Facebook page. My profile? actual
2: page is, wow. is is public. I don't know. It's fine. We
0: can be all all friendly friends, also. We can be friendly
2: friends. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm the shoemaker's children when it comes, I'm busy helping other people. So you're not gonna see a lot on my LinkedIn with lots of posts. I'm finally gaining the time to do more of that stuff. But the bottom line is I'm I'm helping my clients and I'm okay with that, but I'm not but I'm definitely accessible.
0: Fixing other people's cars. You know? I am
2: fixing other people's cars.
0: And they are winning races. So. And I'm
2: driving I'm I'm driving the beater because my dad's like you're, right. never, you're never you're never driving a new car. What, I, I never really saw till today, Casey, that I am I am like my dad diagnosing cars and fixing cars. Yes. And Um, and that each of these, you know, all the engines have to talk, engine components have to talk to each other and all that stuff. So I might be adopting, I'm going to steal this. You got to use that. There's a book.
0: There's a book in there.
2: The marketing mechanic. I, I, I am proud to stand behind that because my dad was, my dad was, um, a guy who people said was, this is the best compliment you can give, right? Is he was, um, the most honest mechanic that they knew.
0: Yeah. hundred percent.
2: And um, I never really realized the depth of that until I became an adult and I'm like, because they're automatically assumed that they're shysters. And I would say marketers are often uh, the, get, Ooh, given the same, same moniker. So um, I'd love to be known as, you know, the, the honest or the, the yeah. marketer with integrity, but, but I'm a marketing mechanic I'm the mechanic.
0: And I'm, I'm and we'll have, we'll have to, we'll have to have you come back on here. Cause there's some more things to talk about. We've got to talk about words and we got to talk about the interplay of the different parts. And so we'll let that, we'll let that, you know, simmer a little bit, but yeah, there's so much to, to, to talk about there. Um, it's been an honor to meet the marketing mechanic in person.
2: <laughs> thanks Casey. Great to room. see you. And thanks for the time today. really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And you know what, for those listening, if you've learned something and I know you have, cause I literally have two pages of notes over here. I literally <laughs> had to run out of space and I'm in the margins over here. It's Terrible. Um, but I love it. Uh, I know you learned something, so share this with someone else. Put it on your LinkedIn. Share the episode. Even share some takeaways, right? But make sure you put your thoughts in the yeah. top. It's, it, you put your thoughts in there. That's what makes you a thought leader. Link to the episode. Check out Sue. Hit her up on LinkedIn. Sue, thank you again for coming on Thanks. here. I feel like we're BFFs already.
2: Yeah, I think so too. Thanks, Casey.
0: Awesome. For everyone listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.